takes place in an era <laughs> where we, we hear of confrontations in the clubhouses, where GMs throw chairs, where people seem so angry at so many teams. How is this team able to be so harmonious all the time? Where does who sets the tone, and where does that come from? I. My responsibility, I feel one of my responsibilities to model the behavior I want to instill in others. I've shared this with you all before. So, um, to be in a, uh, a proactive mode, I've talked with many of the guys, you know, you're either thermostat or you're a thermometer. You're either reporting on, on how you feel or you're setting the climate. And I try and set the climate. Um, I get help. It's not just me, though. They're, they're the coaching staff, how we show up daily, how we interact daily. Um, I've encouraged everybody when you walk through that door, it's a fresh start, no matter what happened to you yesterday. Um, we have discussions that can get heated. We have them within a room, and then when we open the door, we lock arms and we move on. We've kind of made that pact with everybody, you know, and it starts with Neil and I, um, and Stark. And then the distribution process as we get in this clubhouse is the players and the coaches, our support staff. So we do keep everybody involved. There's communication with all. Bonnet plays a huge part. Training staff, they hear things I don't hear. And I tell them a lot of it, just leave it right there. Unless it's something you think could affect a game, they need players that need to have places they can go and they can vent. And I think that's, that helps that we also have a, a cleansing period that they can go and share their opinions. Sometimes they're there with me, sometimes they're with the coaches, and there's sometimes the coaches bring them in here. You know, it's time you and Clint talk. Uh, I did that as a hitting coach. You know, you listen for a while and they say, okay. You know, if, there, if there's something that's not, not working out for you. Um, but as of now, uh, this first half of the season, this has been a really good group. It's been a really cohesive group. It's been a, a group that's really uh, not just engaged with one another, but they feed off one another, and they care about one another, and they share. Is that, I don't want to say, it's, is, is it part of a consideration when you acquire players as to what, beyond just can they hit, can they catch, can they throw, what are they going to do? Because we hear chemistry, it's thrown around a little bit too much, I think, but it's really, it still makes a difference, I think. And is that considered, and how is that considered? Because you guys have had that kind of clubhouse for years. You know, I talked to other reporters there, I said, what's your clubhouse like? A bunch of good guys. And I don't always hear that when I talk to other writers. I hear a lot of times it was the Jagoffs, <laughs> you know. But you guys... You should hear that term here, because that's a term of endearment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. You hear that often. Connected with this team. It's absolutely a part of our, our selection process. Mm -hmm. It's a part of our building process. It's a part of our development program in our minor league system. It's a part of what our scouts do when they're out talking to, to players and families and coaches and background information. Mm -hmm. it, plays, it plays a part. Um, it started with me in Colorado. We started evaluating our players and it was like a, you know, it was like a 10 point checkoff system about their character. And, you know, the one, one of the big ones was, do, do they make others better? Yeah. Do they add value only when they're playing well? Do they add value all the time? Um, leadership comes easier when you're playing well. Leadership is hard when you're not playing well. Are you still willing to step forward? Are you still willing to be the guy? 
And I've been fortunate to be around a lot of players that, that were the guy, uh, a lightning rod. We had one in Texas, oh my gosh, Michael Young. Every game after the game, he'd be the guy uh, to whatever, to bear the responsibility, the accountability. Uh, and there was other, a lot of good names in that clubhouse, but he was the guy. Uh, and he was the guy that, that, that got people together in a quiet kind of way. Um, we've got guys growing out here. We've got guys doing it. And what I love to see is that we had a tide swell somewhat with the pitching staff, and now the position players are starting to, uh, to grow and get it. Um, and it's absolutely a part of the selection process. It's absolutely talked about. We're exhaustive in making sure that we talk to current people, not just you know, eight years ago. I wasn't the same guy probably eight years ago that I am today. So we try and stay current, keep our finger <coughs> on the pulse of who these people are. Who are we bringing into our clubhouse? Thank you. Yeah. Clint, I know I'm new. You probably go through this every year. But when you face a break like this, what's your feeling or philosophy on what to give them? Do you, do you just say, clean break, do your thing? Do you, do you meet with guys, like mini exit interviews? Like, How do you handle the process of them walking out the door and having four days? We have a process that we implement throughout the season so we don't have to catch up on certain things. You know, certain people have one in the beginning, one in the middle, one in the end. Um, selectively, we usually have uh, a little short meeting before the start of a series. Uh, and since we just played these guys, um, we didn't really, we, we have an advanced meeting. But at that point in time, I may take a couple minutes to share thoughts. Sometimes we don't, we just move on. Um, we celebrated All Star selection the other day, we got everybody together. Um, my conversations are usually ongoing and we've reached out as a staff as I said the other day to everybody we've already done our first half review analytically, statistically and with our personnel and our players they know the one thing they've done well one thing we want to focus on going into the second half um, so I encourage all of them you go get away I'm not taking a bag of stuff home with me I'm taking a book I'm taking my this and it's got no baseball stuff in it it's time to get away. I, I really believe strongly in the fact you need to unplug, reignite, reboot. Uh, we'll catch up Thursday. Um, it's a voluntary workout. So we've already done the animal. We've already done the work. We don't wait till the last day. To me, it's kind of like, you know, If everything's important, nothing's important. If you're constantly getting, having me messages and meetings, you're going to wear them out. So by picking your spots, um, I think they get a better touch and feel for it. And then sometimes you let, just let them roll because you're showing them, you got this. It's kind of like when your dad threw you the keys of the car the first time. Did he sit in the front seat with you with a helmet and three seat belts on and pump the brakes on the other side? Or did you just get in the back and say, hey, kid, take me for a ride? Which one did you appreciate more? So that's where we are. Mapped out your rotation for the second half. Um, yeah, I had to do that before I unplugged for four days. There you go. So, um, as we sit here today, we will open with Archer. We'll follow with Lyles, uh, then Williams, um, then Musgrove. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say Agrizal will pitch in the 16th. Short limb. Better be a big limb if I get up on it. Better be more than a limb.
dirty branch. Better be more than a branch. <laughs> How did Kella come out of the sim game yesterday? And uh, is there a known next step? Yeah, he came out well. Um, and again, so I don't do anything over the All-Star break. We already planned this out. Um, he will uh, raise and encourage many of these guys. They've already set up opportunities to throw during the break, so some of them aren't going to completely unplug. Pitchers is a little different story. They might take two hours to to go do some actual throwing. Uh, Keone's one of those guys. And I believe he's going to then come back and he's going to throw a bullpen uh, Thursday night in Chicago, and then we'll determine next steps. I know you've heard a lot, especially over the past three weeks, about this lineup, its depth. One of those pieces that showed up last night, and I think has been showing up fairly regularly in these big situations, Colin Moran in that fifth spot. Um, he's got like a 355-something average from that spot. And when you've got guys like Josh Bell and Brian Reynolds in front of them just getting on base consistently, I mean, is that, do you kind of see that as Moran's role, being able to be that run producer right there in the fifth spot? Is that why you stick with him so consistently? Because he just finds ways to get balls and play in those situations. We've watched him grow as a player and as a hitter. I mean, his, his major league experience now is still borderline a little bit more than a year and a half. Um, and he's a better hitter this year than he was last year. And he, I think he, he was steady last year in learning things. Um, this year, uh, he was able to, to work on some things over the winter. I think he came in a better mindset as far as what he wanted to do and how he wanted to do it. I think uh, the syncing up with Rick and Cruz has helped as well. Um, he's also been a guy that's used an off-season guy that uh, continues to sharpen him. Uh, I think uh, the relationships he's developed within the clubhouse with other hitters has helped and the conversations he's having because we've got a number of left-handed hitters to talk to in the lineup. They, they still kind of old school every now and then. How do you pitch you? Video's one thing, but I like the pack mentality that our guys have picked up where I don't have four guys go in the video room, sit in front of four different video screens, nobody talks to one another. And that can happen, man. You want to see a sad sight in Major League Baseball today? Every once in a while, you peek in there and you see five guys in front of five consoles. <laughs> and I think, <laughs> okay, you know, and I'll usually then maybe I'll clap or I'll do something. <laughs> um, but I get it. His ability has grown as far as just getting the pitch he wants and putting the barrel on it not missing it. The number of RBIs is solid, uh, and he's been able to provide a, a bat behind Bell. You know, some of the other teams that are left more left-handed in the bullpen will put Cabrera behind Bell, as evidence today, where they've got a couple fresh left-handers that they need to throw, throw at us. So it's not Bell flipping him over to his less effective side, and then it's left-on-left left with Colin. His, his batting average is up. We're still, he's still trying to develop some OPS from the left side as well as far as extra base hits. Um, so Cabrera provides a better balance in between, but if, we're, if it's right and we think we're going to get more right, Colin's done a really professional job hitting behind Bell and taking what's been given to him. I think you've probably seen more base hits this year to the opposite field. Maybe the, at this point in time last year, show, he's shown the ability to shoot the ball the other way when he stayed, just stayed that way. He's also shown the ability to turn on the ball. So he's growing as a hitter. And I love the development and the maturation in the run producing a run opportunity the, the run opportunistic at bats has having those switch hitters that are hitting so well been kind of an, an underrated uh, 
part of the success you've had. I've talked to a lot of starting pitchers from the other side, right-handed guys, like, oh, man, all those lefties, and you see them three, four times at the top of the order, but then they aren't guys that, that you're not as susceptible to left-handed relievers because you just turn them up from around. And we have a couple bats to, to play a platoon both ways when we need to, whether it's gone coming in or whether it's Osuna picking something up. I've never had the luxury of three switch hitters in the lineup. I mean, we're, we're, this has been fantastic for me from an offensive standpoint. I've been fortunate as a hitting coach to have some really good lineups to work with and not mess up, try not to mess up. But to have three switch hitters of, the, of this ilk with the experience and and professional at bat, you get from Cabrera, from the young guy in Reynolds, who's shown the ability for Barrel to come from both sides, and then with Bell, uh, which is just a damage bat. What he's shown, this has been special. What do you hear about uh, Kevin Kramer? He continues to, to roll his sleeves up and go to work. His versatility is probably the high point in his career. He's played all over the field in Indianapolis. Um, he's been given some, some good professional at-bats. Um, I mean, he keeps showing up. A lot of people have gone in front of him, and he's kept his, 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 his I want to say, his spirit in the fight. I told him that this morning when he came in. I appreciate him staying in the hunt. He was up with us earlier and didn't get to play. Um, so he can give us depth. With Dickerson going down tomorrow, I didn't want, nobody wanted to play with a three-man bench. Um, so we'll see where this takes us moving forward based on Dickers himself, but it's another guy that we felt this fresh opportunity could provide us some spark with a bat or with his versatility. So Dickerson unavailable today and just waiting. I, I think we're going to do everything we can to stay away from him today, yes.